Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time. So we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, a podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood history. My name is Corey. And my name is Jeff. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm great. I'm eating some combos. Oh, as you should, Jeff. I am. As you should. And I hope that all of you out there are as excited to be listening to us as we're excited to be talking to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Tonight, Jeff, I thought it would be fun to explore the life lessons that movies taught us. Corey, I've learned a lot. In my lifetime about movies, you know the one thing I've learned about movies? What have you learned? Never use them to learn history. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing, Jeff, is that movies are an unreliable narrator for real life, aren't they? They definitely are. <laughs> and so, you know, oftentimes, you know, we gain a little bit of insight on perspectives in life, but everything always has a point of view, right? So they're not... Uh, absolute. And sometimes there are things that are lessons in these movies that are maybe unintentional by the filmmakers themselves that end up putting a different kind of spin on the lesson that they ultimately are trying to provide. And they don't have good history. <laughs> but tonight we're talking about bad life lessons we've learned from movies. Because anybody can take the moral of a story, but it's that bad message that they do they didn't quite know they were sending us with some of the themes in these movies that really shine through. And we're not talking about movies here that have bad life lessons as part of their actual lesson, right? We're not talking about movies like like uh, that 70s movie Love Story where you know they they say that that famous line um you know love means never having to say you're sorry. I'm like, nah, I mean, never owning up to your mistakes is kind of a terrible foundation for a relationship you know it, it's it's a really it's a beautifully written sentiment <laughs> like it sounds nice so you but don't it's like actually that. a terrible idea you don't like that why no why is it a terrible idea go go through all of all of your relationship your where where love being in love means that you don't have to say sorry to somebody that's absolutely wrong okay that is terrible advice for relationships but that's that's built into the bad plot right that's that's part of the message that they're trying to convey. I'm thinking about messages that they didn't intend to convey that are also bad life lessons, right? So, Corey, you're talking about bad, unintentional life lessons found in movies. Best lessons of your life. Unintentional. Best lessons of your life. Unintentional. Best lessons of your life. You didn't know they were there. Unintentional. Best lessons of your life. Unintentional. Best lessons of your life. Unintentional. Best As memorable as Forrest Gump, what about a movie like Limitless? Oh, what? what Not the TV show. No. The Bradley Cooper Limitless. uh, Limitless. The the life lesson there is uh, anybody has the capability to unlock their truest potential, right? Only if they are doing what? 
Oh, copious amounts of drugs? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But no, it doesn't really say that because in the beginning of the movie, uh, Bradley Cooper almost loses his fucking mind doing drugs. It teaches us managing your drugs <laughs> is what teaches you how to live your life in a prosperous manner. But ultimately, you should take drugs. So really, <laughs> drugs and pain management. Yeah, okay. That's bad what li- we're... Bad life lesson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You will never be truly 100% full of your potential without drugs. And that's not a really good message to be sending. Another one that is one of my favorite 80s movies is one that teaches a great life lesson, Corey. Oh. For me, it's The Breakfast Club. Oh, Breakfast Club. Yeah. Well, what is their intended message there? They're, they're trying to say that like... Each kid is an individual. Yeah, everybody's uh, got their own sort of identities, and if we learn to uh, like get to know one another, we realize that there's a lot more similarities that make us. Yeah, we're all an we're individual, bonded. but we all are the same, and they all are a criminal, the popular one. <laughs> they're all an athlete. Yeah, they're all a nerd. The nerd. The, <laughs> the, yeah. A basket case. Basket case. Yeah. yeah, and a shitty high school principal, vice principal, vice principal. In the Breakfast Club, what that movie taught me is that by attending a Saturday school supervised by a truly negligent and slightly sarcastic principal, I can discover my true self through choreography and makeovers. (laughs) That's all you need. That's all you need. Is a snappy dance number and some eye makeup. (laughs) And the occasional deep discussion about suicide. Sure, and weed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The Breakfast Club also taught me, Jeff, that through uh, forced punishment and imprisonment, you can be afforded the opportunity to find your true you and bond with your peers. I really think that principal is a little sadistic. Man, he locks absolutely Judd Nelson's character in a fucking closet and puts a locks him with a key. Can you imagine a principal doing that? It is problematic. Yes, he would be fired for there like would be lawsuits. God, can you imagine that? Yeah. He locks a seventeen-year-old kid in a closet. Yeah, at at Saturday school. The eighties were a different time, man. I don't think they were that different, man. <laughs> Yeah, those are some bad takeaways from that movie. <laughs> and the creepy... Okay, I know he's supposed to be funny, but the creepy janitor who comes in and says, I look at your letters, I look at your lockers. Yeah. I mean, dude, he goes, I'm the eyes and the ears of this institution. Like, that's a creepy dude. Yeah, that's... Are, are you also looking in the locker rooms, you creeper? Yeah, yeah, he's a really creepy guy. Not cool, man. Stick to stick to the sweeping. <laughs> and I clean up your vomit, so I look through your mail. <laughs> you know, Corey, I think some of our childhood movies are also the ones that have the biggest impression on us. What do you think about movies that were our childhood movies? Well, when I was a, a, a child, one of my favorite genres to watch was the kids' sports movie, Jeff. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah, we're talking Mighty Ducks, Bad News Bears, Little Giants even. I'm with you with Mighty Ducks and Bad News Bears, and I don't think I ever saw Little Giants. Oh, you missed out. I'm, I'm a couple years younger than you. Maybe you were a little too old by the time Little Giants came out. But I think you're talking about the movies that are like, you know... Um, underdog. Idiot, idiot uh, coach and like underdog kids against the really mean and jerk coach. Yes. Essentially, that's and the that's really the good kids that are the real. I mean, they're really good at their sport, and they're also mean. Yeah, they're they're when you're good at a sport, you have to be an asshole. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And what those movies taught me is that all it takes to beat a well-coached team with naturally talented athletes is a group of unathletic misfits with can- with a can-do spirit and a willingness to play for fun, and also Gordon fucking Bombay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Speaking of movies about uh, kids who don't have parents, 
There's a Christmas movie, Home Alone, Jeff. Love Home Alone. Yeah, it's a great story about uh, you know a, a kid, a scrappy kid, you know, uh, defending defending his turf, and uh, you know being larger than himself given extreme circumstances. But you know what Home Alone really teaches you as a bad life lesson? What does it teach you, Corey? Uh, that your first instinct isn't to call nine one one when facing a home invasion. <laughs> that perhaps. You don't call the regular authorities uh, when burglars are, are going into your house. What you should do instead <laughs> is create an elaborate series of uh, booby traps wherever you, from whatever you can find around the house. Irons, paint cans, BB guns, blow torches. Use it all. Destroy your own house. Don't call the cops. They're not going to do shit. You know, that's a bad life lesson to send to little kids. That's all I'm saying. In an emergency, you're home alone. Don't call the police. Create some traps. Not to mention, seriously wound people. Oh, like, I'm, yeah, like, like blowtorch people's heads. <laughs> Tar like, and feather them. <laughs> tell people that if you slip on a porch and they hit themselves on the neck or head, they're going to be fine. Get yeah. up and come after you. Still, that's yeah. not going to happen in real life. If you slip like that, I think Joe Pesci would have been dead. Like, there's, there's after the a. First um, uh, there's a YouTube channel. I wish I could remember the name of the YouTube channel to to give them due due credit. They did a they took ballistic gel bodies with like skeletons and stuff embedded in them and uh, tested a lot of these uh, pranks or the, not pranks the the traps that Kevin McAllister had set and determined whether or not the like what the survivability rate like it would it kill them would it severely injure them would it you know uh, maim them you know all that kind of stuff. Is it survivable? And they put them through all of the tests. And I, I feel like 80% of the things that Kevin McAllister put them through would have killed them on the spot. Or at least put them in a hospital in critical condition. First thing he did would have put them in the hospital. Oh, that, that little whoop-de-whoop on, on the steps? Yes. Both of them do, do uh, pratfalls onto stairs that are covered in ice. Yeah. the uh, Daniel Stern Broken, does that like four times. Snapped, snapped necks. Yeah. I mean, Joe Pesci... Yeah, Joe Pesci gets three third degree burns what should have been third degree burns from a blowtorch uh he would not be able to function he would have gone into shock <laughs> you know uh the crowbar hit alone uh when uh daniel stern hits joe pesci on the sternum with a crowbar trying to get the tarantula yeah it would have broken his ribs that would have crushed his sternum and likely pierced his lungs collapsed his lungs maybe even pierced his heart because of the uh, severity in which he hit him with a lead pipe, <laughs> like solid steel crowbar, like you, there's no coming back from that, you know. When I think of people beating the crap out of somebody <laughs> in a kids movie, <laughs> in a kids movie, I think of the Karate Kid. Oh yeah, the Karate Kid, another underdog story. Yeah, it's not just an underdog story. That one does show the hard work, though. That one, I'll give it credit. It's different from the other sort of sports kids movies where he puts it, he waxes on, he waxes off, he learns the craft. But there's a problem with that, Corey. What? You see, the Karate Kid taught me that you can somehow go through a full year of being a loner, <laughs> being bullied, beat up, having your only friend be a recluse, middle-aged handyman, <laughs> which in itself is a little bit of an issue, lose nearly every karate match Despite months of training, <laughs> seriously, he lost like every single karate match, even in the tournament. Yeah. And then the only match he actually won, he won because of an illegal kick to the face. Right? What the fuck? Nobody talks about that. 
the, the Cobra Kai's over there like sweep the leg and he's like oh, I don't know that if I can do that it's not it's not allowed and then freaking and then crane the kicks thing, it to the he face crane kicks, he kicks it to the face the, just before they kick him he says remember no kicks to the head yeah <laughs> and he kicks him in the face and he's, he's like, the hero winner <laughs> and he gets and guess what he gets the girl he does get the that's girl. the lesson you can do you can be a loser the whole year train all year get your ass kicked and all of a sudden you kick one guy in the face and you are the winner you're the hero and you get the girl Yes, absolutely. That's a, that's some pretty shitty life lessons right there. And speaking of movies where a teenager befriends a, a middle-aged man. <laughs> right? <laughs> or speaking of movies with awkward man man boy relationships. relationships. Yeah. Um back to the future, Jeff. Now, if anybody's listened to this show before, you know that both Jeff and I adore Back to the Future. Favorite movie. And we've also explained away possibilities that could you know go into why Marty uh, and Doc are friends? We've never gone into the Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi. Well, but does does he seek out Mr. Miyagi? No, Mr. Miyagi seeks him out. No, Mr. Miyagi just protects him. Oh, so it was a happenstance encounter in the parking lot or whatever, right? Uh, so, so what's weird is that you never actually see why Marty and Doc are friends. That's true. They never show when they become friends. Karate Kid makes it feel more natural because they actually go into where and when they become friends. It's true. Because Mr. Miyagi comes in to fix his faucet. Oh, You know okay, what I'm saying? Okay, okay. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, he comes in to fix, fix his, his faucet. faucet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, he's coming in to fix his mom's faucet, technically. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 You, know what I'm you know what I mean? <laughs> what am I talking like? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, uh, it's never explained in Back to the Future, but you know, we, we've come up with some credible ideas of why... You know, Doc and Marty might have a a friendship given their age gap. One being a pretty sound, watertight uh, idea that Doc and Marty are actually the same person. But if you want to listen to that, go back and listen to our episode with Pentex, where we talk about The Rock being a Bond film and other fan theories. But Back to the Future, while we love it and we learned a whole lot of you know, great things from Back to the Future about, you know, standing up to bullies and, you know, um, standing up to bullies. <laughs> what it also taught us was that when life gives you lemons, Jeff, it's okay to abandon that entire timeline for an alternative timeline that gets you a sweet-ass truck. Because <laughs> Marty does not go back to his old life. He, he goes back to a, a new life. A better life. A life with a sweet-ass truck. And this is why Eric Stoltz lost the job. Because right. he believed that he this was, was a very... Sad story. Sad story. <laughs> that, yeah. er, that Marty should be... This is a tragedy. Yeah. And then they fired Eric Stoltz and got yes. Michael J. Fox. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you can just... You can toss away things if they get bad, if it means that you get sweet, cool, pretty shiny new things. <sighs> That's how rich dudes deal with women. I'm just saying they they the reason why they continued meddling with time was to give Marty a better life every time. Um, I thought they did it to put right what once no went wrong. Back to the Future Two, no, predicated on oh when you're middle aged, Marty, your life kind of goes to shit. Let's go fix it. <laughs> no, it was to get his kids out of jail. Yeah, let's go fix your shitty life. <laughs> no, it was to get his kids out of jail. Yeah, by altering. The timeline, not letting his his kid make that decision so that it doesn't spiral 
his whole life into the show. Well, this goes back to the Doc is Marty. Yes, absolutely. Because why would he care? It's true. Why would he even go there in the first place? Yeah, otherwise he'd be obsessed with Marty. Like, yeah. go and actually look at his life? Weird. Doc is Marty. Anyway, enough for that. What we will talk about right now is my thoughts on Die Hard. Oh, what did you learn from Die Hard? Corey, Die Hard taught me the importance of preparation. Oh, indeed. And even when you're going to a relaxed Christmas party celebrating your recently estranged wife. Yeah, that is a, a an odd uh, sort of setup they have, right? Like... They're they're not together, but like he's there and well. Remember, he got together. accidentally invited. That's true. Okay, that's what it is. Although um, I don't know how he accidentally got invited when he was only in the in the city for seconds. Yeah. How did Mister Takagi know he was going to be in the airport? Didn't I? Don't think he did. No. Nope. I don't know, man. Anyway, yeah. but been, anyway, I've always learned three things about Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Number one, you always keep your shoes on. You never walk across glass, and you never go to a party above the fifth floor. Oh, yeah, because nothing ever happens good above the fifth floor. (laughs) Exactly. Except if you're, you know, invited to a penthouse or a rooftop bar. (laughs) No, because if you're invited to a rooftop bar, and it's celebrating your recently estranged wife, and you forget your shoes, you know that... (laughs) This is oddly specific bad life advice. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the don't walk you across glass. You know that Hans Gruber, Gruber is going to show up there with yeah. tra- uh, with 12 angry terrorists. Yeah. And you're going to have to take care of business. Yeah. Yeah. Die, die Hard uh, has a litany of bad life advice, I think. <laughs> Corey, speaking of movies with bad advice and uh, bad villains, Goonies. Oh. <laughs> Goonies. Oh, Goonies. Another beloved movie from, from our youth. Um, you know, Goonies, Goonies has, I think, a lot of good sort of life lessons. And also it. shares a character in Die Hard and Goonies. The bad villain in Goonies is also Agent Johnson. No, the other one. That Agent Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that one. Yeah. In Die Hard. Okay. <laughs> oh. Yes, the, the Goonies... The Goonies did have some terrible, terrible villains. <laughs> it does have a nice life lesson about accepting somebody beyond their looks, right? Finding the, the sort of person inside, you know, with uh, Chunk and Sloth. I think the uh, ragtag group of, of kids coming together for an adventure... Uh, you know, is is a really cool, uh, you know, life lesson because all those kids come from different different walks, you know, um, and they they have a friendship and they go on adventure and they trust each other, you know. But the underlying thing there that I think is a really bad life lesson, uh, it speaks more to the '80s in general, is that those parents they left their kids unattended and just like they went into a cave. <laughs> Not just a cave. They went in a cave that was like Indiana Jones. Like, yeah. how does that like? They're playing bone skeleton uh, pianos. They all They're... almost died. Yeah, it was incredibly dangerous. And and the parents show up at the end, not like they're all like, oh, we, we thought you know something bad might have happened to you, but they weren't reacting like, holy fuck, you guys almost died in a cave. Corey DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince said it best with parents just don't understand. Moving on. All right. 
Well, we hope you've enjoyed this look into some terrible life lessons that movies have taught us. Yeah, we were actually going to do a quiz right now, but you know what? It's late fucking night, and I'm not going to do it. Yeah, this night went long. But yeah, we hope you've enjoyed our, our trip down terrible life lessons that we've learned from movies. If you have any other terrible life lessons that you've learned from movies... Uh, tweet us at Switch Envelope or hit us up on Instagram at Switch the Envelope. Use the hashtag Movies Taught Me and then tell us what shitty life lesson you learned from some of our favorite movies. I think someone should talk to us about some action movies. I feel like there's some, we can really do a deep dive into action movies or oh, horror. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. The horror movies and the action movies we didn't really go over. That's really true. There's, there's a lot there, and Disney, like every Disney movie, has a has an underlying terrible uh, life lesson that they'd never intended. So hit us up on our social media. Also, you can like and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can also go to Switch the Envelope for all your Switch the Envelope needs. Leave a uh, leave a comment, a uh, review. You can listen to us on Good Pods app. That's like a social media platform for podcast listening. You can listen to podcasts there. You can subscribe. You can rate, you can review, you can also follow us. You can follow other podcasters there too. You can follow each other. It's like it's like our social media and our podcast platforms all in one. Also, we would like to let you know that we have a Patreon now. Mm. Please go to patreon.com backslash switch the envelope. Uh, we've given our long speech about it before. At this point, we'll just say, hey, we got a Patreon. If you'd like to go sign up for it, go sign up for it. There are several levels with bunch of different shit for each level you get like you know episodes ahead of time you can get some special episodes that are only released to those people who are patrons you cool people out there and uh you know sign up so i think two dollars a month to sign up for the lowest tier so mm-hmm. so thank you everybody and we will see you next time on yeah. to watch all those movies and we'll see you later switches Switch the Envelope is written and produced by Corey and Jeff. Switch the Envelope is a Riff Laugh production. Switch the Envelope is mixed by Jeff at Studio 85. Switch the Envelope is your favorite podcast. Switch the Envelope. Switch the Envelope.